Father, and in the Son, and in the Ghost. Amen. So that lesson from Jonah, I had forgotten a couple years ago, Brian was preaching and he asked me to put that lesson in. So I forgot to take it out and put the other lesson back in. But I was looking at it, and it actually, you can, it, it's, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer this straight out, but do you think God has a sense of humor? I do, he created me. I mean, what else? He created some of you wackos too. He's got a sense of humor. So you have to, when you read the gospel, you, you look for the seriousness, you look for what it meant then, you look for what it's meant to the ages, what it means now, and how it's going to change your life when you read any of the lessons. Some of them may have a dramatic impact on you, and others may not. They just may be there, you don't get the point quite yet. This is the first time I read this, like this and had a different understanding. I went back to the first verse of Jonah 1.1 because of this text we have today sort of leaves you off without all the information. And so Jonah 1.1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before. So God is saying to Jonah, you go there. Those people are wicked. You go there. And Nineveh was an ancient city. Well, now it's in modern-day Iraq. And it says in there in the first verse, I think the second verse, God repented. Now, God didn't really change his mind. What happened was the Ninevites rather changed their attitude towards God. And because of their change towards God, God could then work with them rather than be judgmental to them. And we are told in those first few verses there that Jonah was exceedingly angry at anything that was not Jewish. He's very angry. But in verse four, and this is kind of neat, and it also repeats itself later on when he says this, in effect, God is saying to Jonah, so all this anger, how's that working for you? And when I read that, I thought, that's, yeah, anger. I get angry every now and then. I, you know, and who doesn't? I enjoy sometimes being angry, but I know I gotta get over it because that's not where God wants me to live. The other day I was at uh, the supermarket and I do, I do the shop, I love shopping, you know, for groceries and complaining about the prices and the empty shelves and things like that. But I was in there and I was minding my own business Standing in line, and the line, the register over on the right of me opened up. And I'm second, third in line to get there, and the guy behind me races over and gets in there before me. I gotta tell you, I was a little burned up. How dare he take my place? Now I'm human. Probably the same thing that happened to you, you would maybe feel the same way. But I found myself getting angry. And then when I read this thing today, or the other day, I thought, how's that working for me? All it does is get your blood pressure up, and gets you angry. And what I should have been thinking about, as another thought, is how can he, you know, I feel sorry for that guy, that he had to jump out and go in front of me. So I take my angry and I, anger and I have to funnel it in the correct way. And I think that's what God would like us to do. Pray for the person who jumps out of line, jumps in front. I think so. You can 
do that or not do that, but anger does not do us any good. We'll find that also out in the gospel lesson, what happens there. The psalm today, I love David's psalms. I've told you this before, that David has sort of pattern about his psalms. It's like, dear God, I love you, the greatest thing, I really love walking with you. You've always done this for me in the past, you've done this for me in the past, and if you just continue to do this, maybe kill all my enemies. But he doesn't have any plea in this uh, particular psalm. It sort of goes on, I love you, I love you. But the implication, the implication is, and I know you'll continue to do the good for me and my people more. It's implied there, it's not said there, but it's implied in that psalm. And in our lesson today from 1 Corinthians, I would have liked to have met Paul. He, well, when he was trashing, well, bad word for that, but that's the word that got out, trashing Christians, he was a zealot in it. He couldn't, I mean, he was there wanting to get them and kill them, and then all of a sudden on that road to Damascus, he changed. And he became a, a zealot, if you will, for Christ. And it seems as though he's running this race to be everything he can be for Jesus. And he's saying to the Corinthians, look, I've got all this vigor and, 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 and sense of urgency about me, and I want that for you, too. He's speaking to the Corinthians, but he also is speaking to us here today. I want you to do everything you can with great vigor to pursue the Christianity that we're called to practice. And then we go into our gospel lesson today, and, you know, again, it's like that standing in line. It just does not seem right. It just does not seem right that the landowner, that that's Jesus, goes in to the town, the marketplace, to recruit people to work in the field. He goes in early in the morning at dawn, and he finds people there, and he says, look, you come out and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you a penny, it says here, a denarius. And that penny represents the money that that fellow would need to feed himself, maybe, and perhaps his family for a day. And they go, yeah, I'll take that job. And they go out and work in the heat of the day. And I will give you whatever is right, he says. And the third hour, he goes out again, and then um, he goes out at 5 p.m., 3 p.m. also. And he keeps getting these labors, and he tells them each time, I'll pay you what's right. And the labors, they're thankful to get anything, and they're thinking probably, he's not going to give me a full day's wage, but maybe he'll give me enough for me to get lunch or whatever, dinner. You know, he said he'd be fair, and we, we trust him. So they went with him. And he went out at the 11th hour. That's near the end of the day. And he said to the one standing out, why you do? And he basically said, nobody's hard. He says, come on, look at my field. I'll pay you what's right. And then at the end of the day, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning at the last unto the first. And when they came, they were hired about the 11th hour. They received every man a penny. Now, put yourself in the place of the laborers that came last, okay? They see the steward handing out the penny. They're overwhelmed. I'm getting paid a full day's wage. I've only been here an hour or two. Ah, great joy, okay? 
They're happy. Then see the laborers who came out at the early dawn. They're seeing that the laborers that came late are being paid a penny. And they may be saying, oh, goody. Or they may be saying, oh, goody, goody. I don't know. But they're thinking perhaps they're going to be paid more than a penny. You can imagine their excitement when they see, as they come up in line, as they see maybe two denarios, three denarios. But what happens? They get paid a penny, just like all the others. And they began to murmur and say bad and think bad things about the steward, or the landowner. And Jesus said, and the landowner said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. You agreed to these wages, and I paid you what was fair. Don't you think I can do what I want with my own money? I'm not entitled to do that. Take that that is thine and go thy way. I will give unto thee the last, even as unto thee. By definition, grace cannot be earned or deserved. So God is completely free to bestow his favor however he chooses. I take you back to when I was in the line at the supermarket. I was angry that that guy jumped in line in front of me. I was angry. Did me no good. These laborers are angry, and it does them no good. We pray that they heard the message. God's grace cannot be earned. It is not deserved. It is given freely to those who we even think don't deserve it. But don't ever go there. Because we are not God. God makes those decisions. So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Because all the workers are paid the same, they all wind up equal. Remember that book years ago by, I think it was George Orwell, Animal Farm? I read it. I remember one way. Brenda says I'm wrong. All pigs are equal, but some pigs are more equal. Yeah, it's human. It's human to think that somehow we're better than the next person. That's human. But you got to get over it. Because in the kingdom, in God's kingdom, in God's world, we're all equal. When we say on Sunday, love your neighbor as yourself, it sounds easy. But some of our neighbors, well, Newfoundland, they, they, Newfoundlanders never say they don't like anybody. How they put that is, I wouldn't go fishing with them. <laughs> That's what they say in Newfoundland. I won't go fishing with them. But some of our people in the world are gnarly. And we, go, we wouldn't go fishing with them necessarily, but God calls us to love them. So do, this week, try a little something in your lives. Those people out there in the world that you find gnarly and you know who they are, you wouldn't go fishing with them. How's that working for you? It's much easier to find the good in people than the bad in people. 
You find the bad in people, it'll rot you. Find the good in people, it'll make you whole. In the name of the Son, Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.